As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we're just sitting here, and they're laughing at me because I'm wearing my home group sweater. I've had on this sweater in every home group recently because it's just comfortable to sit here. And Denise, you look so pretty in that. What color is that, fuchsia? Fuchsia. That is really pretty, Denise. Thank you, Rick. I, I like to wear different clothes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> home group, pray for me. This is persecution. But we're also here with Paul, and we're here with Joel. It is so good to be with my friends, and tonight we're going to have a lot of fun. You know what these are? These are all the notes that Dad has made to answer the questions we're going to ask tonight. And this is called More Questions and Answers with Rick Renner. People send me all kinds of questions, and I love it. And once a year, Joel and I do a week of programs where he asks me questions, and I answer them, and that's what we're going to do tonight. I just want to say it's so good that we're together. I wish Philip was here. I do too. And I just want to say how much I enjoy being with you guys. Thank I thought you. you were going to say, breathe the same air. Oh. That's what they always say. Denise always says, we're in the same place. We're breathing the same air. And when we got in the car, when we yeah. traveling. But anyway, we want you to get the download, which is free. Just go to renner.org. More questions and answers with Rick Renner. And my friends, this is really a pretty substantial series. I mean, we cover a lot of really interesting things, and it comes with a study guide. And we want to remind you that this week, everything on our website is... 25% off. 25% off. That is amazing. I mean, even the big books like Sparkling Gems, Unlikely, A Light in Darkness, 25% off is really That's substantial. Very good. What a blessing. And please let us know how to pray for you. Just call us or send us an email, and the moment we hear from you, you can be sure the Renners and their team are going to truly pray for you. But let's get started. Mr. Renner? Okay, question number one. You ready? Here we go. All right. Are we living in pre-tribulation times, or are we living in the tribulation? Well, that's a very good question. Sometimes we feel like we have a little tribulation every day. It depends on what's going on. But there's a difference between tribulation and the great tribulation. The great tribulation was prophesied by Daniel. It is referred to by Jesus. It's referred to in the book of Revelation. And that is a very different thing than just tribulation. It's a, the great tribulation is a seven year period. We are not living in the great tribulation. You may be having tribulation, but it's nothing to be compared to the great tribulation. And actually, the man who trained us for the ministry, he said, you know, people always want to know, are we living in the Great Tribulation? And when was that? Dr. Bennett. When was that? 30 years ago? 40 years? 30 years ago. 40 years ago. People were always asking, are we living in the Great Tribulation? And Dr. Bennett used to say, no, we're not living in the Great Tribulation, but it's going to get so bad before the Great Tribulation begins that you might feel like you're living in the Great Tribulation. And I think that's a pretty good answer. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 8, that there will be the beginning of sorrows as we come to the end of the age. And that word sorrows in Greek is the word odin, which is the word for the birth pains of a woman. And of course, Denise, I've never had a baby, but I've watched you have three. And when a woman has a baby, at first, the contractions are pretty far apart. And in fact, at first, they're so light that the woman might even be going, was that one? I'm not sure. 
Was that a contraction? And then they begin to come a little more regularly and a little more harder, and then the space between them is diminished. They're closer and closer and closer and harder and harder and harder, and then you're in transition, and there's no stopping it at that point. That's the word that Jesus used to describe the sorrows that would be evident before the rapture of the church, that the world would become a place where it's just one pain after another, after another, after another. And Denise and I were talking about this, that even when we were kids, I mean, events happened in the world, but they didn't happen every week and every day. They were pretty spaced apart. But today they're just bam, 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 until people are nearly numb by it. One tragedy, one pandemic, another earthquake, another hurricane, another revolution. It's just bam, 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 bam. And Jesus says when they're piled one on top of the next, that's one of the signs that you're in transition and one age is about to end and the next age is about to begin. And the next age will be triggered by the rapture of the church. When the church is taken out, that is officially when the next age begins, which is called the Great Tribulation. So we will not be here during the Great Tribulation. No, we are not in it, and we're not going to be in it. Next question. Please explain 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Right. What do the words falling away really mean? All right, well, let's look at that. Let's go there in our Bibles, guys. Paul, you got your Bible? I have my Bible. It's in, I have my Russian Bible with me today. Well, that's all right. And Joel, I like the way you say really mean. Yes. What okay, mean? let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And here is an example about how sometimes people make the Bible say what they want it to say. Let's look at it. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, not at all, not in any way, the Greek says. For that day, what day? The coming of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first, and then the Son of Man will be revealed. You see those words falling away? In Greek it is the word apostasia. You hear another word? Apostasy. It's where you get the word apostasy. But some people today are trying to teach that those words falling away is a reference to the rapture of the church. That is just crazy. I'm not trying to be insulting. That if you, you have to study the usage of words to properly interpret them. That word apostasy in Greek is never used to describe a catching away. It is the very word that is always used to describe a revolt against authority, a mutinous attitude, something that is horrible when somebody rejects their authority and steps away from it. It cannot describe the rapture of the church. And what Paul here is prophesying is that at the end of the age, there's going to be a mutinous attitude in society. He calls it a falling away, a stepping away from, a mutinous attitude toward God, His rule, His law, everything godly, a throwing off of everything godly, a mutinous revolt against God. And Paul says, you'll know you're at the very end of the age when worldwide it seems like there's this mutinous attitude toward everything that was once considered godly and right. And he says, then... That son of man, the son of man shall be revealed. The word then in Greek was pote. It means then at that very moment, that's when the curtains are going to be pulled back and the Antichrist is going to step forward. But he's not going to be revealed until the church is gone. He probably is standing in the wings waiting for his curtain call at this very moment. 
but he's not going to step onto the stage until we are gone. Does he exist right now? Probably. He's probably literally standing in the wings waiting for his moment, but he will not be revealed until this moment, and we won't be here. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you saying that the church is the great hindering force? We are. In fact, that's a good question, Mr. Renner. It goes on in this text, and it talks about he who hinders will hinder until he be taken out of the way. You know what the Greek says? Taken out of the middle of everything. Well, where is the church right now? We're in the middle of everything. And how does the lost world view the church today? They view us as the ones that are hindering. They see us as a problem. And the verse says, he who hinders will hinder until he's removed right from the middle of everything. A day is coming when we're going to be removed. And my friends, when we are removed, when the church is taken out, darkness is going to rush in like never before because there will be no restraining force, but we won't be here, praise God. All right, I have another question. All right. This is home group. We get to ask questions in home group. Now, in Sparkling Gems, number one, you talk okay. about this verse. And how do you know that? Because I read Sparkling Gems, number one, and I read it every day, and I also do a daily devotional in Russian based on Sparkling Gems, number one, and hopefully soon I'll start doing a daily devotional based on Sparkling Gems, number two, as soon as we printed in Russian. When I wrote Sparkling Gems, I did not know, I had no idea it was going to be a tool used by my son every single day. What a blessing. You ought to order sparkling gems. And while we're talking about this, you ought to also order signs you'll see just before Jesus comes and last day's survival guide. It's all 25% off right now on our website. Okay, question. Okay, so in sparkling gems, number one, okay. which was written over 10 years ago. Yes. You talk about this verse. Okay. But you omit, you do not talk about the hindering force being the church. Right. Later, 10 years, over 10 years have gone by now, uh -huh. and you now very confidently say that it's the church. How did you come to that conclusion? Okay, well, if you're going to be really honest about those verses, it's a little confusing because in that text, which every scholar struggles with, one time the hindering force is referred to in a masculine sense, then a feminine sense, then neuter, mm. <laughs> neutral. And so everybody kind of struggles. Is he talking about the church? Is he talking about something else? What is he talking about? But for me, the key is the phrase, until he be taken out of the midst of things. Because what are we? We're salt and light. We're in the middle of everything. But a day is coming when we're not going to be in the middle of everything. And I just came to the conclusion that it really is talking about the rapture of the church. There are some people who believe that it is a reference to Michael the archangel. Did you know that? We've talked about it. And they believe that Michael is the hindering force. And if you look at Michael throughout the Bible, you find that sometimes he is a hindering force. For example, in Daniel chapter 10, when the Bible says the angel came and the angel said to Daniel, I would have been here sooner, but I had to fight with the prince of Persia, demon powers. I called for Michael, the archangel. Michael came and hindered those powers. And so some people say, well, maybe this is talking about Michael. But I, I don't believe so. It's really talking about the church being removed from the middle of everything. But let's move to the next question. Okay, the next question. In light of the government releasing videos of UFOs, in what seem like credible stories from the military, what does the Bible say about things coming from the heavens in the last days? Well, there's one thing about that question that kind of disappoints me. 
Nobody in that question asked about Bigfoot. Okay, and also please tell us about Bigfoot. <laughs> Everybody who talks about UFOs usually talks about Bigfoot. So let's answer the question and let's go to Luke chapter 21. Are you okay. ready? Hey, Jesus talked now, about Now this Bigfoot. question about UFOs is very interesting to me. There's a particular TV program that I watch about ancient aliens. I find it hysterical. I don't believe any of it, but I find it very funny. So I watch it. I think it's comical. But when you go to Luke chapter 21, Jesus does make a very interesting statement in verse 11. He says, Great earthquakes shall there be in divers places and famines and pestilence. Do we have any problem with that or do we believe that? We believe that. Well, then you have to believe the next part of the verse. And fearful signs and great signs shall there be from heaven. You got two things there. First of all, fearful sights. You guys will not believe what the word is in Greek. It is the word for monsters. Phobotron. It's the word phobotron. It is the old word used by the Greeks to describe sea monsters, monsters of every kind. And if you want to really translate this correctly, you would translate there's going to be monsters or maybe monstrous sights. And by the way, we could come up with all kinds of ideas about what that means. It could be people today that are going through monstrous surgical procedures to change who they are, changing their sex. It could be people who are trying to contort their bodies to look like animals through plastic surgeries. I mean, we're living in a day when monsters are all around us. And Jesus said it will be a day of monstrous sights. And he said, great signs shall be from the heavens. The word from is the word apo. It means descending right from the heavens, something coming out of the heavens. I am not saying that it's UFOs. But Jesus did say at the very end of the age, there will be a period when there will be things coming out of the heavens. Maybe it's going to be missiles. Maybe it's going to be asteroids. Maybe it's going to be meteors. I don't know. But he did say at the end of the age, there will be things descending from the heavens. And I'm not directly answering your question. I'm just giving you a verse to consider. I think it's very interesting. Very interesting and probably right. hard to commentate. So the next question. As we enter the last days, what is the greatest warning Jesus gave on the Mount of Olives? Okay. About signs of the last days in Matthew chapter 24. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples and they said, tell us what will be the sign of your coming. That's what they asked for one. And Jesus gave them many. And the first one he gave was the most important. And most people miss it. Most people say, well, Israel being restored as a nation is the greatest. It is definitely one of the greatest. But that's not the first one that Jesus gave. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, Take heed that no man deceive you. This is so important that he uses the word take heed, which in Greek is blepete. It's the direct form of the word blepo. It means stand up, straighten your shoulders, Look, 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 look at what I'm about to tell you. Listen, take heed that no man deceive you. And that word deceive is the Greek word planeo, a word that was used in the intertestamental period between the Old and the New Testament by rabbis. And guess how they used it? Those rabbis said, you'll know it is the end of the age by this. At the very end of the age, the world will be occupied with spirits that will cause people to believe delusional things. That is what the rabbis wrote between the two testaments. 
that at the end of the age, there'll be an invasion of spirits that will cause people to believe delusional things. That's where that word deception comes from, deceived, the word planau, and it particularly has to do with a moral deception or a moral delusion. People believing things that are crazy, people modifying what they believe to nonsense, just delusional, delusional thinking. And Jesus said, when you see delusional thinking worldwide, you better watch out. You have come to the end of the age. And that is the first sign that Jesus gave. Paul? It's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Next question. Okay. It's been said that a great revival work will occur before Jesus returns. Amen. Where in the Bible is this prophesied? It's prophesied by Joel in Joel chapter 2. Peter quotes that prophecy in Acts chapter 2. It says there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But when you study the Bible, there are two things that happen simultaneously at the end of the age. The Bible is very clear about it. There's going to be a departure from the faith and an outpouring at the same time. And we are looking at both of them right now. It seems like the Western world is departing from the faith. The rest of the world has come alive unto God. Isn't that the truth? If you go to the third world or what is considered to be the undeveloped world, there is a mighty, mighty, mighty move of God. We've seen a move of God where we live here in Russia. It's like a flip-flop took place. The Western world that we used to live in was so on fire for God, now they're departing. We moved to the part of the world where people were dead to God. It has come alive to God. And simultaneously, just like the Bible says, there's a departure and there is an outpouring. And Jesus made an interesting statement. He said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith, faith on the earth? And the word find is the Greek word heurisko, which describes an investigative research. It means he's going to really look for it. He's going to search for it, and he's not going to find much of it. And the word faith there has a definite article, the faith. It's talking about a departure from the teaching of the Bible. There's going to be a departure from the teaching of the Bible. But the Bible says there's going to be these two things, a falling away and an outpouring, and they're going to happen parallel and that is exactly what we're seeing today. Wow. Any comments? Denise Runner? No. <clears throat> Paul Runner? I'm enjoying these home groups. You I, are? Yes, I like questions and answers. In fact, we just recently did a questions and answers <clears throat> in church, and it was a lot of fun. It just creates a kind of a different atmosphere, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it, too. Okay, let me get to the last question. Okay. What will the judgment seat of Christ be like for believers and unbelievers? Well, unbelievers will not be at the judgment seat of Christ. They're going to be before the great white throne judgment that is referred to in Revelation chapter 21. Only the unsaved are going to stand before the great white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is really bad translation. It's, we translate the judgment seat, but it's the word bima. It is a place of um, where awards are distributed, where people are rewarded for what they did. Commemoration. Commemoration. It was the place where the judge of the games gave awards. And when somebody didn't win the race, he didn't berate them and beat them for failing. He did not. But it was a place where awards were given. And the judgment seat of Christ is a place where every Christian will stand. Every Christian, you cannot escape it. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and Christ will deal with us 
for how well we conformed to his will and did what he asked us to do, and that's where he will give awards and rewards. But we're out of time. But when we come back tomorrow night, let's do more questions. I'll be here in my home group sweater. Well, All right. You know what? I'm going to join you in this sweater. You are? Oh, yeah. All right. Sleep well. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.